episode three today. I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm with Lisa. Um, we chose that Ted Lasso quote because Lisa has probably been in more brainstorm sessions than any person on earth. Would you say mm-hmm. that's correct? Oh yeah, that's yeah. accurate. Right. I mean, yeah. And she really, she, this was like a personal to us on a whole nother level, yes. just because she really paved the way for, you know, women in the workforce yep. with epilepsy having uncontrolled seizures, inventing the sports bra, no biggie, which she thought was going to be a side hustle at the beginning. And obviously it turned into something else. (laughs) And I think all of us women want to thank her for that alone. But I mean, in 1977, by the way, yeah, total different background. Title IX didn't pass until 73, but I just never, I take the sports bra for granted. Yeah. Like I didn't, I thought it'd been around for longer. Well, yeah, and it's just something you throw on, you know, mm-hmm. when you need to, and then you're like, oh, someone had to invent this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was Lisa, and she's yeah. cool as hell. Yeah, oh my god, she is so awesome. And yeah, we kind of nerded out talking to her, being like, oh my gosh, a little bit. You made yeah. us doing something like this just, you know, possible. possible. You made it, and you make it. You're showing us that it is something that is attainable, and. She is beyond humble when she tells her story as well, which is yeah. just so fun to watch. Yeah, totally. And like, and just tackling all these different spheres, you know, mm-hmm. and I know we talk about it in the episode too, but like, come on, she invents the sports bra, you know, she was a secretary at one point um, before that, you know, mm-hmm. she was a part of the Epilepsy Foundation of America. She was on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like she has done all of these things and helped invent another you'll hear it in the episode. I'm not gonna just regurgitate all, all the, the shit time she did. when but yeah, she social is, norms were different. Yes. 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 And she is just oh my God. I think the best compliment you ever gave me, Lexi, was when you said, I feel like that's that's you when you're older. And I was like, yes, thank you. It is. Lisa. The second Lisa showed up with glitter strands in her hair, I looked at Landis and I was like, is this you in a future life? So, or the summer. I would yeah. really, you know, I feel like glitter strands are calling me this summer. So <laughs> I could see it. I'll be sad if it doesn't happen. So that's what we're doing after this. Uh, okay, done. Um, but you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're on YouTube, we ask that you please subscribe, or even if you're not on YouTube, you know, uh, please subscribe. That's the kind of stuff that if, if you like what we're doing and you want to see more of it, the more people that subscribe, the more people that like our episodes, um, you know, send it to anyone who you think might be interested, pass it along, you know, any, any listen will help. So. Yeah, totally. And we're on all streaming services. Um, subscribe to our newsletter, which is at whatthefpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram because mm-hmm. we're cool. I don't know. That's just an old person <laughs> thing to say. I'm clearly the older one of the group. Um, and also, you know, we couldn't begin, begin our episode without thanking our sponsors. Uh, we really want to give a huge shout out to SK Life Science and Norales. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. We appreciate you for believing in us and um, making more of these conversations happen. Yeah. So you guys to share Lisa's story. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys, so we really hope you enjoy it and um, be, oh, stay tuned to listen. Right. I forgot. (laughs) At the end, we uh, feature a, an epilepsy fave of the week. And that's a person who, or a business who has not paid us, not sent us a dime, but it's someone living with epilepsy that wants to put something out there in the world about it. Um, and we also have an epilepsy follower of the week. And that could be you if you DM us on Insta. You guys, hopefully you enjoy this episode as much as we did. I'm pretty sure you will, though. Hey guys, welcome to What the F. We are so, so excited about our guest today because she is the ultimate badass and inspiration. When we were first introduced uh, to you, it was, you know, this is the inventor of the sports bra. And we're like, holy shit, that's so cool. (laughs) That's the only kind of bra I wear. Ah! (laughs) I'm wearing one. 
today in honor of you. Uh, before I, we met, I thought that it was going to be this, like, you're going to be this, like, you know, like, crazy marathoner and Ironman runner and all, you know, all this stuff. And, like, you encompass so much more than mm-hmm. us than a sport the sports bra, which was an amazing invention. So Lisa Lindahl, who's here with us today, is the inventor of the sports bra, as I mentioned, in 1977. It took, I still can't believe it took that long for it to happen, but thank you. Um, And the originals are in the Smithsonian and the New York Met, no big deal. Um, Lisa was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2022. She's also the inventor of the Belize Compressor Comfort Bra, which helps breast cancer patients overcome pain with breast surgery, which, you know, thank you for that. Uh, She's the author of two books, Beauty is Action and Unleash the Girls. Links to purchase them will be on this episode page. She was the Senior Vice President on the Board of Directors at the Epilepsy Foundation of America and the first person with epilepsy, correct? That's my understanding. That's my understanding. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, what? And while on the board, she created the Women in Epilepsy Health Initiative, which provided and encouraged researchers opportunity to study gender differences in epilepsy, which is yeah. a huge thing. Like, we know that, I feel like now, it's almost, I don't want to say common knowledge, but like, you know, you, if you, around your period, you're like, okay, you're in up for some seizures too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and was an educator at two colleges teaching business. Uh, and she is still currently an artist. And her work is just as diverse as Lisa is. And just as, <laughs> as truly, your breadth of work is so impressive. And um, obviously, we'll have the links to all the things just mentioned on the podcast page. Um, and Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for doing this. I'm I mean, I'm so excited and happy that the voice of women with epilepsy is now, uh, you know, exists because it didn't for so long. And I mm-hmm. think I told you I listened to one of your podcasts about pregnancy and birth and oh, yeah. having a seizure disorder and it brought me to tears, literally, because I it, that would have been so important for me back when I was thinking about all that stuff. And nobody talked about it. They didn't know. I mean, they literally did not know mm-hmm. that neurologists sure as heck didn't know. And the OBGYN person just, you'll be all right, dear. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here, go see a specialist. And I'm like, wait, but I have a million more questions. Yeah. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. So all this is by way of saying... You rock. Oh, thank you. Man. Oh. Hold that moment. Yeah. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we're just trying to do a little, our little part here. But I mean, you, you paved the way so people like us could do it. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. Just hearing your story is just truly outstanding. I did not know until we were initially introduced. And now, I mean, you are just like, up there for me. <laughs> 100%. And on yeah. top of it, you have glitter in your hair. So I love that too. <laughs> oh my God. As I just went over, there's such a, there's so much you have done. Um, and today we kind of want to start focusing, starting off our conversation just with being working, being a working woman and your experience with that, because it started before you invented um, the sports bra. It's my understanding you were diagnosed very young, correct? Yes. I, I've had epilepsy now for 70 years. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. so um, I, and I think the important thing to say is that in my, I was the youngest of four and in my family, there were no expectations for me growing up. I didn't realize it at the time, but not entirely, but as I grew, I realized, you know, they were just hoping that someone would marry me and take care of me. I went to a junior college and I went to secretarial school because my mother was afraid that I I would have to earn my own living, God forbid, and I could type, you know, and take shorthand. 
because that was back in the days. I mean, it's important to say that that was back in the days um, when it was expected that women would be uh, successful if they married and had a family and took care of their husbands. And if they had to work, they were going to be a nurse, a teacher, you know, some, there weren't high expectations. I mean, epilepsy is what I call an invisible chronic illness because it totally. people can't identify that there's something wrong with you right off the bat until all of a sudden you fall down and start convulsing. And then they're afraid and, shocked and surprised yeah. and anyway so when i i actually think that epilepsy has been a, a good teacher for me because we all everybody has obstacles or things they perceive as challenges and obstacles and so this advice is really universal which is you know i couldn't drive a car i was um, made fun of by other sixth graders. And I took that as a lesson because there are so many things I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do or couldn't do like others did. It turned me into a creative problem solver. Now I can say that now because I'm looking back and realizing that, okay, so I'll have to walk. That's there. really beautiful though. That is a beautiful sentiment that this, you know, this obstacle turned you into a creative problem solver. I thought of myself growing up as a writer and a, uh, an artist. You know, I, was, I hung out with the creative artsy crowd. Um, and I, I never thought I would go into business, really. But I had a problem that I needed to solve. And I thought, well, if I want it, I bet other women do. Also, I would need to put this in the context of the time. This was in the mid-70s when I invented the sports bra. And being active and athletic had just become important in the culture. It started with, uh, believe it or not, John F. Kennedy. He had the, the Air Force exercises he was touting. And then um, <laughs> everybody wow. started running and we called it jogging at the time. And, so, <laughs> and at the same time, Things were changing in the 70s. The old rules were going away. And, you know, um, it was it's actually referred to now as second wave feminism. And we were having to make up our own rules and figure out our own lives. And for someone with epilepsy, the number one non-medical problem is underemployment and unemployment. And so I was just trying to figure out what I could do. And I thought that this bra that I was making would be a nice little mail order business on the side so that I, you know, <laughs> I could live at home. I was I had just gone back to school and I thought, oh, this is something I can manage. I'll, I can make a little money and go to school and la la la. And I don't have to try and get to an office somewhere and operate under other people's rules and regs. I can That's relate. Started. I think Lexi can too. Yep. <laughs> That's kind Our of personal what, hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, why we're here. It's yeah. Like, mm. Now, now we're able to recover from seizures and take the time we need. And yep. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of what you felt too, when you were there. I mean, you have a seizure and then it's just like, well, got to go back to the office. Or, yeah. yeah, there was yeah, no America. Yeah. There was no ADA, so yeah. it was, you know. And also, the the thing to say is, I had no idea that. I mean, when I invented the sports bra, I patented it and started a business to manufacture and sell them. And I never done anything like that before. Luckily, I had two very helpful partners. Um, Always ask, always ask for help, which is really hard. We constantly have to remind ourselves, whether it's with work or, you know, personal stuff or seizures, just to be like, why don't you ask for help on this? You know, the other one will kind of go, oh, yeah, I probably should have asked for help like yeah. yesterday. But, you know, especially with epilepsy, you kind of feel like you have to like charge on independently. Well, and it's double help. It's like everyone, yeah. you know, everyone 
all the normal people out there need need help, right? Everyone mm-hmm. does. But then we're like, we need double, maybe triple the help. Yeah. So it's just kind of it's just tough. Well, I it it's I was just talking with someone about this that it's about feeling vulnerable, and some most people might feel vulnerable here or there in a new situation, but when you have a chronic illness that could kill you, every day you're vulnerable. Really, you are vulnerable. You're living with a constant threat. So that's why more help is needed. But asking for help, I think the issue behind it is who wants to feel like you're a burden? Who wants to feel like a burden? Totally. So if help is not offered, it's like, excuse me, I, you know, I, I can't drive today. Right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So learning yep. to accept that and live with that. And, well, for me, it's been a lifelong learning process. Oh, yeah. I, I We talk about that, too, how it's not just like one day you accept it and then okay, now I've accepted it forever. You know, it's like a constant, uh, you know, re re acceptance of the, of the thing, you know, and some days you do, some days you don't. And, you know, you have to congratulate yourself on the days you do when you yep. reach out and are like, Hey, I, I need help, you know, and then just be like, good job. Good mm-hmm. job. <laughs> right. I know some days I'll, yeah, I'll feel like, oh, yeah, I can totally ask for help on stuff. I'm on top of it. And then other days I'm like, ooh, Lexi, you just took several steps back. Come on. Okay, get yourself back to where you were. You can ask for help again, yep. you know, And but you totally feel like a burden yeah, very often. And, um, yeah, you have to have constant reminders that you're not. Yeah, I, and it, that people want to help. And yeah. surround yourself with people yes. that want to help. Yes, yes. Because some people don't. That's too true. Surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. Right. right. That's That's true. Some people don't. You know, I want to raise another behavior, I guess, that's operated in in my life as a coping mechanism. And that's what I call, and a lot of people aren't going to like this. That's what I call constructive (laughs) denial. Like in my work life, I've traveled all over the world by myself. Mm -hmm. Now, if you looked at that objectively, you'd say, that's not so smart. You don't want to have a, a convulsion in China. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I, I don't. And and because I would plan my travel around my menstrual cycle, you know, so that I wasn't mm-hmm. putting myself in that position, well, but I was generally, I, it worked. It worked for me. I just said, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm. I'm going to go to Sri Lanka. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go see the factory in China. I'm, and But when it's trade shows or other people's schedules, you can't always do that. I think it's just that balance of living and taking risks, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's hard. It's so hard because it's like, am I supposed to stay in my house all day? Right. And our you risks know? look different than like healthy people's risks. Um you know, just walking outside might be a risk for us on certain days, whereas other people, you know, it'd be more like jumping out of an airplane. But I mean, it's it's always hard to kind of find your boundaries within your health. And then they're always changing with epilepsy yep. and seizures as well, whether you're yep. on a different med or trying, you know, different treatment. And so you're just constantly trying to find out, okay, I'm going to like tiptoe a little bit further, figure out if my body likes this or not. Oh, it doesn't. Seizure. Okay. I'm going to tiptoe a little back. And it's, you know, it's just exhausting. And there's no, you know, one pager that says, here's what you can and can't do. (laughs) Well, and it's always changing. I mean, the other thing is now I have a perspective to be able to look back and how my seizures were manifesting or what was going on with me neurologically was different when I was five. Mm-hmm. And I, then when I went through puberty, it changed again. Right. And then yeah. uh, menopause, it changes again. And oh. so it's, it's like trying to find a balance or a rhythm or, okay, this is what works for me. That's what we all do. But 
then you have to go, oh, it's not working anymore. So part of this, I, the importance mm-hmm. of of personal growth, of being willing to reflect and accept in yourself that, oh, what worked last year is it's not working now. And so totally, it's yeah. an awareness that we, mm-hmm. I, anyone with a chronic illness has to cultivate and be willing to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of when you say willing, because yeah. it's, I, you know, there's, I, you called it constructive denial, I believe. Constructive denial. In and other then words- there's also, de- and there's also denial, denial, you know, yeah. where it's like, I don't have this thing. This isn't a thing, you know. I don't need Which... my bills. No, no, no. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, you do. So it's just all sorts of denial that, you know, um, I think are a part, are a normal part of any, like you're saying, anyone with a chronic illness mm-hmm. that affects their day to day. And we just got so off track in the most beautiful way. Um, <laughs> As per usual. <laughs> but yes, we were talking about, um, you know, how you, how you started to create the jog, when it was called jog bra back then right. because everyone was jogging um, as like a, and hoping it would be a side hustle. Um, Thank you for that side hustle yeah, <laughs> from all, from all the people who use sports bras, jog bras in the world. Oh my God. And take them for granted. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. it's something I honestly, until I was like, oh, yeah, someone had to invent that. You like, you know, like, so thank you. Like, I took for granted. And now I, every time I put one on, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> so. You know, I, I think that um, when I speak or, or, or teach about entrepreneurship, what I st- one of the things I say is, your mo- what is your motivation? What is your purpose in pursuing this business? And and for me, I was solving a problem that was around something that I loved. I loved running. Running changed my life. I was not motivated by oh, I'm going to make money here. I mean that. No, <laughs> be nice yeah. to make some, but that was not the motivation. I'm curious. You you know you say you love running. Um, and so that was your biggest motivator. What was, um, like, what was your relationship with running? Like, I'm just, you know. Well, I think it's, you know, just like you were saying in the beginning, you, you were expecting to meet me and I'd be some big jock. Well, I was never, (laughs) I was never uh, a jock. I, uh, my I used to skip gym classes, you know, whenever I could. And um, in my life life, I loved the ocean. I love swimming in the ocean. I like to body surf. I like to climb trees, but organized sports or competition just didn't do anything for me. me And um, it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s and I started to gain weight because I had a very sedentary secretarial job and I was back in school sitting and studying so and a friend said well if you just jog a mile and a quarter three times a week you know that'll get you fit again and I went really I can do that (laughs) I didn't have to I could just go out my front door you know it wasn't like I had to get Mm -hmm. somewhere or you know and it was based on my time and how I felt and so I I remember when the first time I was able, it took me a long, many months, but the first time I was able to run a, a whole mile, you, I thought, and I tried to do a couple of races after, and I didn't like that because for mm-hmm. me running, it just, it changed me. It changed my relationship with my body because, you know, when you, all of a sudden your body can betray you. You go down, you have a convulsion or you wake up and you're having petty mal seizures and you can't, you know, so my relationship with my body as a girl and then as a young woman, it was not great. I, you know, I was Mm -hmm. all in my head until I was running and running 
through the woods, along the lake, you know, even through the neighborhood. It uplifted me and unbelievably. And it I really came to understand that running was my first spiritual practice. You know, it, it really I was gonna see Land, just, Landis is gonna cry. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I am I am on I am on the same boat. I'm also PMSing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't have a seizure on us. Yeah. No, Man. so uh I'm crying at everything, but all but but this Lisa really hits mm-hmm. home. Like it's I love that it's a spiritual practice. like I always say it refreshes my soul to run. Mm-hmm. And I had running taken away from me for a few years um, after my brain surgery and after my epilepsy diagnosis. Um, it just wasn't, you know, I was having three to four seizures a week. It just wasn't a possibility. So now I'm able to go for a run. I am a maniac out there because I'm like, ah! <laughs> and I'm literally smiling and running like a crazy lady. And I just do not care what anyone else thinks because who cares? And But it's just like, this be- and I'm very lucky I live in Chicago and so I can run and look at the lake while I run, you know, and it's like you said, just this very spiritual, um, life affirming experience. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, that really hit home. <laughs> yeah, totally relate. I, I definitely get that through walking around a lake near me and, uh, and hiking out here in Colorado and it just, you have those moments of peace and, you know, it just, you're in a beautiful setting and yeah, nothing gives me a high quite like that. And just feels like you can go just reset. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no better medicine. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is medicine. It is literally Mm -hmm. very natural medicine. It's the, you're engaging in the beauty of the world and your body and mm-hmm. nothing beats that. And I'm just so curious as this entre- as an entrepreneur, which nowadays is very common. We see entrepreneurs mm-hmm. like everywhere, right? Which is wonderful. Hey. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as a female entrepreneur in the seventies and throughout, you know, through the your life, did epilepsy ever interfere with like you being an entrepreneur? You had a lot of things for that period going against you. You were female, you're an yeah. entrepreneur and you had epilepsy. Yes. How the hell did you make it through? And also not only that, but make it on top. Yeah. <laughs> Constructive denial. <laughs> <laughs> um, really for me during that period, my epilepsy was a very private consideration. I didn't go around spouting, talking about it or spouting it or, um, and there was some shame and embarrassment involved, you know, fueling that. Mostly I didn't want to deal with other people's expectations of what that meant or their desire to limit me. I wanted to set my own parameters. And so I didn't talk about it a lot, but I had to deal with it every day as you guys know. So I would, um, so I started, the business took off. I mean, it just, it wasn't going to be a little mail order business. I mean, we grew tremendously right away. And that was a challenge. I mean, we started out in my apartment. We had to move out of my apartment and rent a building and hire people and, and I had, I knew nothing about this. And I was always clear that this sports bra was not lingerie. It was athletic equipment. Mm-hmm. But I knew nothing about the about the sporting goods industry at the time. <laughs> um, so, so I would get up every day and check in. How am I doing today? You know, and I had to putter around for a certain amount of time in the morning to figure that out. Life is so complicated. And every state has different laws about driver's licenses. You know, how long you have to be seizure free or if you can drive at all and la la la. So when I was 28, I got my driver's license. <laughs> Woohoo! Nice. Big deal. Lisa's on meant, the roads. But my pattern, my seizure pattern was that I would know when I woke up if 
I was having trouble. It was during yeah. that period of my life, it was never like I'd be in the middle of my day and then all of a sudden uh, not mm-hmm. be well. I would okay. have an indication in the morning. So being an entrepreneur, you get to be your own boss. So, mm-hmm. and it wasn't somebody else saying you have to be at this meeting. I would say, if you have a, want a meeting that you know I that I need to be at, don't schedule it before 10 a.m. Now, I might get to the office by 9, but that was when I knew I was fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Yep. It's something I thought about every day, and I had a routine to make sure I was okay, and then I'd go into the office, and most of the time that was fine. Sometimes it wasn't fine. Sometimes I didn't tell myself the truth. There was a meeting I had to go to. I mean, one one particular time, um, I don't know. This was later, once we had become very successful. We're a multi-million dollar around the world kind of business, which back in the 80s, that was a really big deal. Um, Uh, Even now, I mean, come on, give yourself a little credit. (laughs) But I had a meeting in New York City and we, we were in Vermont. This was a really important meeting with a very big other corporation. And I got up in the morning and I knew I wasn't a hundred percent, but I thought it would, cause it could, it could clear up, could go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You never knew. So I went and I got on the plane Flew to New York City, got out of the plane. I still was not well, and I knew it. I got in a cab and gave them the address of where I needed to go. And I woke up in Bellevue Hospital post-convulsion. So, But this is a great story because here I was in the back of a taxi in New York City. And I remember thinking when I was starting to do what I call Fritz, like, I have to look at this guy. I have to know who this is that's driving me. I have to remember his name, you know. And it was some foreign name, and I couldn't remember it at all. So I wake up in the hospital on a gurney <laughs> in a hallway. And, and what wakes me up is someone's pulling down my skirt. Because I was dressed for business. I was in pantyhose and a suit. And I had a briefcase with me. And, you know, I immediately checked my all my stuff. This taxi driver didn't even take the cost of the cab out of my wallet. Mm, he he wow. delivered me to the hospital when he re- looked at probably in his rear view mirror and said, oh, oh, she's in trouble. So he took me to the hospital, got me in there and then disappeared. I mean, people are so good. I'm in all the, the seizures I've had in public places. No one has ever done me harm. In airports, they don't. My wallet's still in my purse when I wake up. You know, yeah. It's people, strangers on the street cradling my head with their coats. Um, Wow. You know, people are really, really good. The question, the original question, was uh, being in business and being a woman with epilepsy, Mm -hmm. and really. I just acted like I was fine all the time. And most of the time I was fine. And when it got in the way, it got in the way and I would get up and go back to work. One of the convulsions I had early on in this, in the jog bar business was at a trade show where we were, we just started and we were hiring sales reps. And I was just even learning what that meant. The sales reps back then, they were all men in sporting goods. Mm-hmm. They were all men. So there's a a group of guys we were meeting with on a mezzanine in the, in the trade show, you know, these big places with concrete floors. And I knew I wasn't well, but once again, this meeting was so important, yada, yada. And in front of all these guys, I went down. I had a grand mal tonic clonic convulsion. And, uh, and, you know, you just have to power, you power through it. it. It happened. I When it was over, I got up and said, sorry. <laughs> and um, my, wow. my partner. You got up? Us. Yeah. I mean, like on your own? No, I mean, no, there were people else. there and, okay. you know. Okay. okay. The okay. Ones sorry, the I'm ones. just picturing you just like popping back up. Sorry, guys. 
no, uh, no. I was very I groggy know. and, but yeah. nobody else knew that, you know, so I sit there and I'm letting my partner finishes the meeting, you know, and does the whole spiel that of course I thought sure. I should be doing, you know, and life and life, it goes on. Mm-hmm. It does. I didn't realize this until you just said it. And I've said this a million times, but isn't it so weird that whenever we have a seizure with other people, we just like our first thing is to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. What is that? I mean, yeah, yeah I do. That. So I, true. Right. What is that about? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I 110% do it for I, sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm I sorry. did that with Lexi a few weeks ago. We were supposed, oh, yeah. to have, we were supposed to have a recording and I had a seizure right before it. And Lexi called me. I was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, you're fine. It's okay. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I'm apologizing but... to this one, too. Not even someone who, like, doesn't get epilepsy. I'm apologizing to her. Like, you know, girl, like, come on. Yeah, it's just, it is, it is. It's so uh, weird that we have, the, you know, the need to say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. even though we were just the ones that had some shitty happen, but... That's just the stigma behind epilepsy. It's just, you know, I'm sorry you had to witness this. I'm sorry that this happened. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be like that, but it is. Well, and it it is very frightening. The burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the burden, right. And it is very frightening for onlookers. I mean, I think part of the stigma Mm -hmm. about epilepsy comes from the fact that we can be speaking with someone and, and as far as they know, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden you go down in this really unattractive, scary thing. If you're having tonic clonic grand mal seizures. And so people are frightened and understandably mm-hmm. so and shocked and, and in some cases feel betrayed. Like why? So that I think is part of why we say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You had to witness that, but um, yeah. I think it's also why the stigma gets attached because people don't know when it's going to happen. And I I know. And just like us. Right. Right. And yeah. he, so I think that it scares them and people tend to stay away from what frightens them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Which is why, which is why then we, you know, sometimes hide it. Or don't talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a huge part of the stigma, you know, attached to it. It's like, well, I don't want to scare this person off. Yeah. Right. Like, tell them when you it. were dating, when I was dating, you know, when do you tell some guy that's shown interest in you and you're interested in him? When do you di- disclose? When do you say, oh, right. that took me years to figure that out. That question is now I just like do it on the first question. date. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's the question though, right? It's like, when do you tell them? And Lexi and I mm-hmm. have both kind of been, we've been through this uh, together. We're pros at it now as well. Yeah. And we're just like, first date, first date. Yeah. Because sometimes before, sometimes it comes up before, especially because this is what we do. And so and now at the podcast, it comes up way before and they've listened yeah. to episodes before they've met us. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, I don't know how I feel about this, but whatever. You can get to know everything about me and right. then meet me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. a, it's a good feeler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If they still want to go on the first date, then I'm like, all right, good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I've always, I mean, it took me years, but then I would often, you know, before the podcast and I mean the last like, you know, decade or so, uh, when I didn't have a job, that was kind of my in. It was something I was also really insecure about. Um, but I would just say, here's the reason why I don't have a job. It's because I have epilepsy. I'd explain it a little. I'd ask them, you know, if they had questions and, you know, if they, you know, were like a deer in the headlights and that was something that made them uncomfortable. I said, okay, there's the door. It's all right. I understand. Not everyone can handle it. But, you know, if they can, then I'm like, all right, if you ever have questions, you just ask me and I would be more than happy to tell you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are some gems out there that can handle it. But yeah. but why do we consider them gems? I don't even know. Yeah, you that's know? a good point. It's like, oh, thank that's you so for true. being able. But no, but I'm with you. I do that no, too. I'm yeah, like, that's oh, so you're true. such a saint for <laughs> dealing with this thing that I deal right? with every day. Like, yeah, ugh, it's just a. I don't know, Lisa. What about you? When did you get to the? What was your disclosed date? 
um, when you were dating? Do you remember? I, I don't. I, it's been so long. <laughs> I've had. <laughs> um, but even but you know it's not just about dates with men. It's it's ever it's ever, people. It's friends. It's new coworkers. Yeah. It's you know anyone that's going to be in your sphere. So at this point, I mean, I just say it sooner rather than later, and and also because I'm I feel so strongly about educating people about what epilepsy is and how diverse it is. And comp- I mean, the, here are three of us and. And our experience, how we experience epilepsy for each one of us is different. The medication that mm-hmm. works for, it, it's not one med that works for everybody. No, you spend years. Right. And I'm fond of saying I'm very lucky because the, I was diagnosed so young. I don't know anything different. When mm-hmm. someone like you guys, you've lived uh, normally, you know, without having to deal with this for many years before it occurs. And and it takes years for the families to come to grips and really understanding and years to figure out what medication is going to work. And so yep. when talking to others about it, it's really educational to say, you know, there are many different types of seizures. There's all different types of medicine. There's, you know, no two patients will have the same experience or really. So, mm-hmm. So I've gotten to the point now where I'm passionate about educating others. And I was able to let go of my feeling self-conscious about it. Because Actually, that's a great way to talk about how I felt for many years, self-conscious. Yeah. So I would be a little mm-hmm. quieter totally. and appear yeah. shyer. And... Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just telling someone yesterday about how I used to be a lot more shy growing up and now I'm you know anyone who knows me would probably say I'm a little little more outgoing um but (laughs) yeah and they said you know why how did what was the transition between here and there and honestly that's one of the like it always pisses me off a little bit saying this but whatever one of the blessings that epilepsy has given me is that learning how to own it learning how to advocate for myself whether it was, you know, often, you know, I was advocating in doctor's appointments and really trying to get the care I wanted and tell them, hey, these side effects are affecting my life. I can't deal with them. Let's try something new. And then, you know, also really just like sticking up for myself within friends and personal and family life and just saying, hey, if you're in my life, you need to support me on this because I can't have people in it who are not going to be, you know, my front runners. So, and now, you know, I walk into a, I love, I mean, well, to a point, love walking into neuro appointments because I'm like, all right, I know what I want. I know what I'm going to get. And <laughs> if you can help me do it, that's great. But, you know, I'm not going to be a, you know, shrinking violet anymore in those appointments. So Good I definitely, definitely credit my epilepsy to helping me be way more outgoing than I was 12 years ago. Lexi, did, did I hear you say that you hate to say or don't like saying this blessing from epilepsy did you say that? sometimes i get a weird vibe from it yeah i know that it's given me great things but it's also this thing that i also semi love and hate at the same time you know like obviously would love a life without epilepsy but i know i would not be where i am now and i would not be as self-aware of myself as i am right now Mm-hmm. And I would not potentially not be, you know, as good at self-care and stuff like that. I feel like we as a community kind of have to learn these a lot of these things earlier in life that most people don't learn till later. So that I do. I do love epilepsy for that reason, for sure. It's and you learn who's going to stick around. <laughs> It's a teacher. It's it like I, mm-hmm. I said earlier. Everybody has something, but this is a really strong teacher. I in my book, Unleash the Girls. There's a whole chapter in it. It's whose title is Epilepsy: My Lifelong Partner. Because I love that. Really, you know, it, yeah. it's always with me. The husbands come and go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
some truth right there. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that because exactly that's the one thing that's never gonna go. It's your lifelong partner. Yeah, um, and yeah, I've I've I kind of share Lexi's sentiment too in that like, um, so I so I was diagnosed at 32, and I feel like I'm currently living a much better life than a much more whole life than I was before, even though I loved my life before. But, um, and it always pisses me off a little bit. Right. It's like when the teacher's right and you're like, mm. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It's like, <clears throat> you're, you're right. Okay. This is, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those. And, and kind of just accepting that, that like, I love, I love what I, what I've gained, but I can still love and hate it at the same time. Yeah. It's okay. Have have you guys on the podcast ever talked about the history of epilepsy? Uh, no. Well, I find it interesting because it's one of the oldest documented illnesses. Number one. And, yeah. and different cultures have held it differently. There are some periods of time in some cultures where to, have seizures was an indication that you were possessed by some evil spirit or the devil or whatever. But for instance, in ancient Greece, we were considered prophets. And there were women that would prophesize and were taken very seriously. And they had to have seizures in order to qualify. The, oh my God. The belief was oh, that it was that? God. <laughs> the gods speaking yes. through them so that's they way will... better than the possessed thing okay yes i've never so, heard that one i like it so it's really you know both ends of the spectrum in the history of how epilepsy was viewed understood mm-hmm. treated and i even read somewhere you know who knows how true it is but i even read somewhere where when they couldn't find a woman who was having seizures they would be given some potion that would make them seize. Oh, God. But the truth is that throughout history, epilepsy has been viewed very differently, understood very differently. And we're living in a time now where it's all about science, where um, it's not talked about a lot, but there is still a stigma, and it's all about science. You know, it's all about the medication and everything else rather than the whole the whole body sometimes i feel like there could be more science um (laughs) you know uh Mm -hmm. for epilepsy but hopefully we'll get there yeah well i mean uh, for instance that i think you've heard me rant about before is that the gender differences in how epilepsy manifests were not taken seriously if um women for a long time for a hundred, uh, at least 200 years have been reporting that their seizure activity was greater around their menses. And they were just deemed that was never taken seriously. There were no significant studies done about it. There are a few little studies, but they were not statistically significant and it was dismissed. And we were, we were being hysterical and it wasn't until recent times we're, we're talking this century that women, that it began to be understood that there are gender differences in how epilepsy manifests due to the hormonal aspects, differences. Mm-hmm. And totally. that's yeah. big. Yeah, it is big. It is big, you know, and it's so it's, again, something that um, I feel like I have taken for granted because mm-hmm. it just kind of came as like a. Like, uh, well, you have, you know, seizures around your cycle and that's normal. I was like, okay. You know, just Mm -hmm. like, just like that. Like it wasn't, and, and I feel like you talk to so many women with epilepsy these days and you know, it's like, well, it's around my period. So I gotta be careful. Or some women, they know they like have one every time. So they just know, like I'm out these days, kind of like what you were referring to Mm -hmm. when you were doing, uh, you're like the, you know the OG of getting this 
uh, of you know planning your schedule around your menstrual cycles and procedures <laughs> which by the way we should be allowed to do anyway because <laughs> good point menstrual cycles bad enough <laughs> good point good point <laughs> oh oh my god well lisa yeah. i am so happy that we got to have this conversation i feel like we could talk forever and i'm truly just so grateful to have met you, to know you, to um, just be inspired by not only our conversation today, but all of the work you have done. And like Lexi said in the very beginning, you paved the way for Mm -hmm. us to even be here. I am so grateful to you that you're doing this because I I wish, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I wish you guys had been around, something like this had been around when I was growing up and dealing with all this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This is a wonderful service you're doing. Hey guys, Uh, we have our epilepsy fave of the week, Sarah Staggs. She is a woman living with epilepsy. She is a writer and has a book coming out this week, May 25th. So if you go to her website, sarahstagswrites.com, you can pre-order it today or you can order it on the 25th when it comes out. It's about her journey with epilepsy and um, might resonate with some of you guys out there. We also hit me with our epilepsy follower of the week. Uh, it's Tyson. Oh, oh, Tyson. Yeah, he, yes. sent, he sent this um, after an episode uh yeah. Where we talked about me getting dragged out of the shower naked. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I, are we saying it? I don't know. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about it. Yeah. Yes. So he was like, really great episode. Accepting something you never saw. Whoa. That was our response, too. Also, my college roommate repeatedly pulled me out of the shower. God bless him. Um, <laughs> indeed, Tyson. Love it. Indeed. Yeah. We love yeah. it when people are real with us. So Yeah. Totally. So if you want to uh, have your... You know, we'd love to feature you as a uh, fave follower of the week. You can send us a DM um, or subscribe to our newsletter and shoot us an email. But we uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next week.